At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Wanted to uh, take a pause away from all the Super Bowl talk and let's break down what went down in the NBA here on Monday. Take a look ahead to what's coming up on the schedule for Tuesday's action. The 76ers, without Joel Embiid, defeated the Grizzlies in overtime, 122-119. There was some major line movement in this game as the Sixers were the favorite. But with the Joel Embiid announcement, the line completely flipped and the Grizzlies went off as three-and-a-half-point favorites. The Sixers cover and win outright as the dog. The Cavs beat the Pelicans 93-90. This line opened up at 10 and went all the way down to 4.5. And And the Pelicans still cover as the Cavs win 93-90. The Pacers beat the Clippers 122-116 as they cover as a one-point underdog winning outright. You had the Raptors, a 106-100 win over the Hawks. They cover as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. There was a line flip in that one as well. The Knicks were seven-point favorites. They beat the Kings handedly, 116-96. to Celtics, six-and-a-half-point favorites, cover easily, beating the Heat, 122-92. Warriors, 10-point favorites, beat the Rockets, 122-108. And it was the Thunder as a a three-and-a-half-point dog upsetting the Blazers 98-81. to And that's what went down on Monday. Here's your NBA schedule for Tuesday. Pelicans are at the Pistons. Haven't seen a line on that. I'd love to refresh and see if we can get anything there. Okay, Pistons minus one-and-a-half. Then you have the Bucks hosting the Wizards. That's your early game on TNT. Bucks are minus 11 and a half. The Raptors, two-point favorites at home against the Heat. Miami playing the second out of a back-to-back, obviously. Uh, the Bulls, 10.5-point favorites at home against the Magic. The Timberwolves will host the Nuggets. Minnesota laying two and a half. You have the Warriors. On the second night of a back-to-back, they are in San Antonio, where they are three-point favorites. And then the second game of your TNT doubleheader is a potential NBA Finals preview. The Brooklyn Nets, the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are seven-point favorites over the Nets. And if you are looking at the futures, the Nets are still your favorite to win the NBA title at plus 250. The Suns are plus 550. And so we have a potential NBA Finals preview coming up on Tuesday night. Suns, seven-point favorites at home against 
the Brooklyn Nets. Updating on uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., our guy, for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, no movement as of now from what we had yesterday, 20-1 to 1 to win Defensive Player of the Year. We uh, have our ticket in already at 65-1. to 1. If you got it in at 150-1, to 1, even better. Uh, and Jaron Jackson Jr. in the game against the Sixers had two blocks and one steal. Uh, he did score 18 points. He had seven, uh, what do you have? Seven rebounds, one assist, but he had two blocks and one steal and was even on the plus minus. So he just has to continue to do what he's been doing all season, which is putting up these incredible defensive metric numbers where you know, we're talking about his, you know, the, the numbers all across the NBA. And when you consider his defensive numbers this year, they're just off the charts in terms of, you know, blocks per game, uh, you know, every defensive defensive efficiency, defensive defensive rating, all that stuff. He has put together an incredible season. And just we hope that he continues the run. Would have liked a couple more blocks, but hey, we'll take it. Just let him keep going here, and we'll see the odds uh, climb up. Draymond Green's the favorite to win the award, and he's been out a month. You're not going give to give an award to a guy who's missed a month, and he's going to miss more. Rudy Gobert's your second favorite, but... Guy's won, what, three of these awards in the past four or five years? Maybe a little fatigue there. Giannis is the next favorite. He just won a couple of years ago. Maybe the voters would consider giving the award to Jaron Jackson Jr. As a new up-and-comer, young stud here in the NBA. And, you know, uh, uh, acknowledge the performance that he has had here for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. On the ice here on Monday, we have been tracking the numbers of the heavy road favorites. And coming into this slate on Monday, NHL road favorites of minus 200 or greater were 37 and 6 on the season. You had one game that was clearly going to be above minus 200. That was the Panthers. Uh, and they I think went off at minus 310. They started at minus 250, went off at like minus 310, but anyway. The other game was the Oilers. And this one kind of floated It was minus 200, it went down to minus 190, and then back up to minus 200. It actually closed at, I believe it closed at minus 200 in most books. Uh, Yeah, pretty much consensus minus 200. There was actually a minus 210 on the board at closure. So they did qualify for this betting trend. The Panthers, they won 8-4. to That was never in doubt. The Oilers, though, lose in overtime 3-2, to two, meaning the trend now is 1-1 one one on Monday night, so it falls to, or improve, whatever, 
38-7 and now on the year. We're talking NHL favorites of minus 200 or more on the road, 38-7. and So let's see if any games qualify for Tuesday's slate in the NHL. And, hmm, doesn't really look like much here. Road teams favored. You got a couple. The Maple Leafs would be the one to watch. And that's about it. Because there's a lot of heavy favorites, and we'll talk about these numbers, which are crazy. But the Maple Leafs would be the only one that could qualify. Right now, I'm seeing Toronto at minus 200 or minus 190. So monitor that. It is the second night of a back-to-back for both of these teams. Toronto and New Jersey played in Toronto on Monday night. They will play in New Jersey on Tuesday night. In that game, the Devils scored three goals on their first nine shots of the game. And Toronto had to pull their starting goalie, Jack Campbell, after allowing three goals on nine shots in the first half of the first period. I thought I heard on the broadcast that it was like the first time this season, I think the Devils might have scored three goals in the first period or, or second, whatever it was. It's very rare that that happened. But kudos to Toronto because they bounced back. They fought hard. They went on to win 6-4. to four. Austin Matthews had a hat trick. So now, second out of a back-to-back, let's say Campbell's back in net. I think that would be the case. I mean, you have Mrazek played the majority of this game in coming in in relief of Campbell. So maybe Campbell gets another shot here on Tuesday. You got to believe it's a bounce-back effort for Campbell, right? I mean, he's not going to let this Devils team do that to him again. So we could see a much better performance from Jack Campbell and Toronto keeping up the offensive pressure. And the Leafs, minus 200. We'll see what it goes off at on the road here in New Jersey on Tuesday night. But speaking of favorites, there are ridiculous numbers on this slate. The Golden Knights at home against the Sabres are minus 400. The Avalanche at home against the Coyotes, minus 575. That's unreal. First off, I get it. Arizona's bad. They have 10 wins on the season. They are not a good hockey team. The Avalanche, meanwhile, have won 10 straight games. They have won 15 out of their last 16 games. And they have won 18 straight games at home. I, it might be it might look enticing to take Arizona at plus 450. I'm not touching them. Avalanche minus a goal and a half right now on DraftKings is minus 200. So perhaps parlaying that with something else could be worth a look. 
I'm Scott Sadenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. You can hit us all up on the network at VSIN Live. Coming up about you know, 20 minutes or so from now, we'll be joined by uh, Hoops Peterson. Greg Peterson, G-Unit, will join me always get, as well. We will get into some college hoops action with Greg uh, coming up, about, like I said, about 20 minutes or so from now. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Scott Sandberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And uh, we will have uh, some fun sporting events going on starting this weekend. The Olympics begin on February 3rd. And it's going to be certainly fun to watch these events in Beijing. Uh, And if you can get lines on these events, great. What I look forward to the most is the Olympic hockey. For the men and women. The U.S. women probably have a better chance to win than the U.S. men this year. uh, With no NHL participation in the Olympics. And looking at the U.S. roster, it's a lot of young kids. Uh... No one really with some big-time NHL experience. Uh, a lot of collegiate stars, some former NHLers, but no one that's really... There's not a lot of household names. It's not like we're getting Austin Matthews and Patrick Kane and you know some of the great uh, you know American NHLers uh, because, like I said, we're not getting NHL participation. In the Olympics. Uh, So the U.S. women obviously have a much better chance. In fact, I was looking at the odds up on DraftKings because they have it here. The futures for the Olympic hockey. For the women, the Olympic hockey is the U.S. are favored. They are minus 115 to win the gold. Canada is minus 105 as the second favorite. And then the next team is Finland at plus 1,400. So we're getting USA Canada. In the gold medal match, it's what we're going to get. It would be a it would be a very big upset if that wasn't the case. Uh, but for the men, completely different story. For the men, and up on the DraftKings sportsbook right now, they do have these odds for Olympic hockey. The Russia, the ROC, Russian Olympic Committee, because we all they're not Russia. It's just the ROC, whatever. They are your favorites at plus one sixty. It makes sense. I mean, a lot of KHL players, and if you're just looking at the talent level of the teams that are playing, it yes, it looks they have the most experience, the Russian team, because, like I said, they will have a bunch of professional players, KHL players, that will be in, you know, playing for them, uh, including a couple of NHL names that you might recognize, guys like Artem Anisimov, and they're favored. They, they, they should. They, I'm not saying they should win, but I understand why they're the favorite. Finland is next at plus 400. They also have a ton of players that play professionally in Europe. Sweden at plus 500. Then Canada at plus 700. Here's why I, I like Team Canada. They have done a good job of building this team 
with players that have NHL experience, which I like. Now, some of them are up there in age. <laughs> so, you know, maybe the conditioning's not as great as it used to be. Um you know, you got a bunch of guys in their late thirties. Oh, okay, mid 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 to late thirties, which is not that old. And and look, it's only a two week tournament. You're not asking these guys to play for an eighty two game season. You're not asking them to play for a couple of months. You're asking them just to go out there for a couple of shifts and do their job. And I do think that there are players on this Canadian team that can have an impact. You have a couple of former Olympians on this roster. And you have, like I said, 17 of the 25 players on the Canadian roster have NHL experience. Eric Stahl is the most recognizable of all of them. He's a five-time All-Star, right? He's got over 1,000 points in his career. So you have, um, you know, Eric Stahl. And here's what I also like about this team. So let me just give you some of the names that you might recognize, okay? Uh, Eric Stahl who's been around, you, you, you know him, you've, you know, seen him for a while. Uh, also, Devin Dubnik is going to be in goal. Oh, wait, is that a change? Wait, I'm seeing here Devin Levy, Edward Pasquale, and Matt Tompkins, goaltenders. Maybe it's, maybe Dubnik is not. I have to look this up. Uh, because the last I saw that it was announced that Dubnik was going to be on the Olympic roster. So, okay. Well, I'll get an update on that. If it is Dubnik, I do like that. Um, hmm. I guess they, maybe they pulled him from the roster. Did he sign with an A? He might have signed with an AHL team. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to get an update on Dubnik. Anyway, so... Let's see if I can get after it. Wait, no Devin Dubnik. Yeah, he's not on the roster. Okay. Uh, it says here that he hmm, they didn't have enough playing experience this season, so they didn't feel that he was ready to play. He's been playing or just a couple of games with Charlotte of the AHL, the Charlotte Checkers, and he said that there were no guarantees given to him that he would uh, make the team. He followed all of the Canadian Olympic protocols that they had given to him. Uh, and he was going to play in the Spengler Cup, which was canceled. Then he went to Charlotte. And I guess they decided that he hadn't played enough. So he is not going to be in net for Team Canada. My mistake there. But anyway, I do like the NHL experience with this team. But also, you got guys like Mason McTavish, who was a very high draft pick, and... Owen Power, this year's first overall draft pick. So you have a kind of a mix here of NHL talent, guys who have played in the league, and also young talent that like Owen Power and Mason McTavish, who are up-and-comers, guys that you're going to be hearing about in the NHL for the next several years. Um, you know, Owen from Michigan, uh, I think McTavish is now in the OHL playing somewhere. Anyway, you got – so uh, that's interesting. I like that mix of veteran guys and also some young studs. So at plus 700, I don't hate it. You know, 7-1, to one, I certainly would rather take the 7-1 to one chance than 
the plus 160 chance on Russia. Team USA is plus 1,600. And I don't, I don't know. There's, it's just all young college kids. And if we're just looking at this roster, there's not much NHL talent. You got, let's see. Oh, wow. You got a lot of college kids on this roster. A lot. You got Nick Shores plays in the KHL, so he's got some professional experience. Um, Brian O'Neill plays in the KHL as well. But really, I mean, I'm looking at this roster, and it's all young kids who are currently playing Boston College, St. Cloud, North Dakota, Michigan, Minnesota, Minnesota State, Boston College, Boston University, Minnesota Duluth. <laughs> there is not much uh, NHL or, you know, former NHL talent here. You got a lot of guys that are all college kids. So maybe, and maybe this could have been some of the team that we would have seen in the juniors. And I think that. This is what was so upsetting when the World Juniors got canceled because of COVID. I was really looking forward to getting a little bit of a preview to see how some of those teams looked because some of those players could have actually found themselves on the Olympic rosters. But still, if I was placing the bet right now, I would put it on Canada at the 7-1 to to win the men's side, and I'm going to back the U.S. women they are the favorite, and I think that what I'm going to look for for the U.S. women is not so much for the future, uh, which they are at, um, like I said, the future for them is minus 115. What I will look at is them in each game. Their first game is coming up on Wednesday. They are minus 4,000, but the way to play it, is minus two and a half. Team USA minus two and a half is minus 140. That is what's likely going to happen is they'll win this game. You know, these Olympic scores are always high scoring and the games are always decided by multiple goals, unless you're talking about USA against Canada. So minus 4,000 to win, not going to lay that, but I will take minus two and a half goals. For the U.S. women, which starts uh, 5 a.m. Pacific time on Wednesday in Beijing. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little college hoops with Hoops Peterson. As we'll get into uh, some of the future outlooks for teams to make the Final Four, win the National Championship. Take a look at the slate for the next coming days right here on The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get ready to watch the big game. We want to make sure that VSIN is a part of your plans when you do. On Championship Weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on vsin.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VSIN betting experts before, during, and after the action. On vcin.com. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. Let's uh, shift our attention 
to the world of college hoops, and we bring in the man nicknamed Hoops. Greg Peterson, host of the Greg Peterson Experience weekends here on VSIN, and of course, Coast to Coast Hoops, available wherever you get your podcast as well as vsin.com. Joins me here on the program. And Greg, just a short top 25 slate here on Tuesday, but the Dukies winning again, now 18 and 3 on the season. Is there any reason why I should not be backing the Dukies for the Coach K Farewell Tour National Championship this year? I would say the only thing is sometimes you do wind up getting a couple strange matchups when it comes to Duke because Duke is a team that they seem to be doing a relatively good job on the glass. At the same time, they can be a little bit hit or miss when it comes to their three-point shooting. So there's a little bit of caution there. And as I always say with regards to college basketball, you're betting on numbers. You're not necessarily betting on teams. So if things wind up getting a little bit more out of whack with Duke, certainly would be a case in which I'd be a little bit more tepid. But I myself wound up backing Duke, playing between five and five and a half tonight, depending on where you got the number. That was relatively good value. So until we see an adjustment, I think that Duke is looking solid moving forward. And they're much better shape than their counterparts out there in the tobacco road rivalry that we'll be seeing relatively soon as well yeah i was going to mention that you know the first matchup uh, with north carolina coming up in a couple of days uh are we going to be all over duke there in chapel hill i think it depends on the number in this spot but that said i'm certainly looking at duke being a little bit more of a stable team i want to see how north carolina winds up looking on tuesday because with north carolina offense has been top notch I mean, they're doing a great job being able to hit threes at nearly a 40% clip. They can't guard a soul right now. And Duke, we wound up seeing against Notre Dame, held them to below 45 points. So they have been really excelling in that side. A couple of top 25 uh, games here on Tuesday's schedule. Kansas and Iowa State in the Big 12. Kansas laying four and a half. When, when you handicapped this game, what did you set this line at? I set this line more around a two. I do think that Kansas ultimately is going to be able to get the road win. And I'm hearing that there might be a little bit more injury information with regards to Kansas as well. But you take a look at Iowa State, played them to one point at the fog a few weeks ago. And it's an Iowa State team that they're just doing an absolutely sensational job on defense. One of the top teams at being able to create turnovers and for Kansas in the last month, as compared to the first month and a half of the season, they're scoring right around 15 to 16 fewer points on a per 100 possession basis. It's an offense that slowed down a little bit more. Thought we would see better things from David McCormick. And you've noticed that Remy Martin has been dealing with both injury and just being in the doghouse in general of Bill Self, which has been very strange. So I do think that Iowa State has a good chance to be able to hang in there. I don't want the money line in this spot just because I do think that Kansas, if this comes down to late game falling, they might be a little bit better on offense, but certainly taking a look at the four and a half here with regards to the Cyclones. Uh, sticking in the same conference, Texas at Texas Tech with the Red Raiders laying five and a half. What do you like in this one? It's the return matchup of Chris Beard to Lubbock. This is going to be a good one. And I think that Texas Tech is going to be able to get the outright win. But I think that this is just a little bit too lofty. Well, I'm saying my line more around a three and a half. So I'm going to be taking a look at five and a half. Seeing a couple sixes out there with Texas as well. Longhorns certainly have been dealing with some injuries in the or some 
just bad play in general in the backcourt. Marcus Carr seems to be getting things buttoned up a little bit more. Nine plus points in eight out of the last 10 games hasn't necessarily been a great fit. But what Texas does is they play tenacious defense. They slow games down. They rank in the bottom 25 in terms of possessions per game. And when it comes to Texas Tech, it's not like this is an explosive offense. Texas Tech, a team that shoots about 33% from three-point range. They shoot 69% on the line. And if this does if this does wind up coming down to late game falling, you do have a Texas team that they shoot 77% at the free line. Got guys like Timmy Allen that do a relatively solid job down low. So I do think that the number, a little bit too loft here, going to be taking the points with the Longhorns. Let's talk about the number one team in the nation, Greg, and that is the Auburn Tigers. Uh, when they got the number one ranking, I immediately bet against them because I always like fading teams in that spot that just get the number one ranking. They win against Missouri, although they did not cover the 13-point <laughs> spread at all. Uh, so I won with the plus 13 there as Missouri almost won that game outright. But then they bounced back and they blow out Oklahoma. Now they're facing Alabama. They're laying seven at home. Is this number too short or is the tide the way to look at this one? And I was seeing a lot of seven and a halfs out there as well. And seven plus, I'm going to be taking a look at Alabama. I set my line at six half. Keep in mind, these two teams wound up playing a few weeks ago. Alabama and Auburn played a very much back and forth game. Auburn pulled out the win, 81 to 77. So got to feel like revenge is going to be on the mind of the Crimson Tide. And we just saw Alabama play one of their best games of the year. They wind up knocking off Baylor at home. And if you can try to make heads or tails out of this Alabama team, I salute you because... This is an Alabama team that has knocked off the two teams that played in the national title game last year, Gonzaga and Baylor. And they've also lost to who you just mentioned, Missouri, along mm -hmm. with a Tom Green coach, Georgia team. They also lost to Davidson in their home state. So this has been a very wonky Alabama team. Oh, yeah. They also got blown up by double digits against a Memphis team that, boy, if you want disappointments in college basketball, there you go right there. But when it comes to Alabama, they do have a bunch of guys out there in the backcourt, like Jaden Shackelford, like Javon Quinterly. They're able to do a relatively solid job of being able to put the ball in the basket. They've got James Roas back from an ACL injury, so that has been able to help this team out with regards to depth as well. And when it comes to Auburn, it is a team that they can be a little bit streaky from three-point range. They do a great job of being able to generate turnovers and a very underrated defensive team. Top 15 in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but feels like Alabama's defense is starting to round into a little bit more form. They're starting to force a couple more turnovers. So I do think that seven here, it's gotten up a little bit too high. I'm going to be taking a look at Alabama at seven plus. Let's talk about Big East basketball, Greg. And on Wednesday, you got a good matchup, Marquette and Villanova. These two teams played uh, not that long ago, and Marquette was able to win uh, in Philly by, was it, 57-54. So does Villanova get revenge here in this game, or to shock a smart team, pull out another victory. I think Villanova is going to be able to get revenge. It's really going to depend on the number in this spot. I'm probably going to be looking at a number right around five and a half myself is what I'm looking at. I typically handicap these games. When it comes to like Wednesday, I'll be handicapping these tonight. Like Thursday, I'll be doing tomorrow. And right now, I'm leaning towards right around a five, five and a half point line as what I'm going to be setting this at. I do think that you need to take the revenge factor in mind. And you also have to set a game like Villanova versus Marquette with regards to the spread on the favorite a little bit lower than, say, in Alabama versus 
versus Auburn game just because Villanova, bottom 30 team when it comes to possessions per game, a relatively efficient team. But you have to be all the more efficient when there's fewer possessions in a game rather than, say, a team like an Auburn, say, a team like a Nevada that plays very up-tempo. So that's something that I'm going to be taking a look at. I do think that Villanova is still the top dog out there in the Big East. But if you've been betting on Marquette, even if you wound up backing them in that game against Providence, if you wound up getting in late on a two and a half, you were able to get them in that spot as well. And for Marquette, shooting right around 39% from three-point range of Big East play. It's been rather impressive to see what Jocka Smart has been able to do. Who do you like uh, to win the Big East Conference when it comes to tournament time here? I do still like Villanova. I still think that they are the best team out there in this conference. And you've got a whole bunch of guys that have been together for so long. Colin Gillespie, a fifth-year point guard, coupled with someone like a Justin Moore. That's big. Eric Dixon has been able to give the team some rebounding. And when healthy, you're able to have a Villanova team that is very effective. Caleb Daniels, the transfer from Tulane, has been a little bit banged up. Now that he's back in the fold, now that he's back to 100%, this is a little bit of a different Villanova team, in my opinion. So I still stick with them. But that number two spot, when it comes to Providence, Marquette, you're able to throw in their UConn. I mean, Seton Hall is a team that I've been impressed with at times this year as well. I think that it's wide open for that number two spot. Can you make the argument for anybody other than Purdue to win the Big Ten? Illinois has actually been relatively solid. I don't think Illinois is as good as Purdue, and we wound up seeing it a few Mondays ago. Purdue go on the road, and they wound up getting a hard-fought double overtime win. When teams are exactly healthy, I do think that Purdue is the number one team, but we've seen it with the Big Ten. Everyone has taken at least one loss in the conference. Purdue hasn't looked as good since the beginning of December as they wound up looking in that first month where they were just absolutely steamrolling teams. So I've still got Purdue as my number one team, but that said, when it comes to a format of a one-and-done like the Big Ten tournament, I certainly do think that there would be some value on longer shots when it comes to that sort of a tournament. Pablo Boncaro, Wooden Award? I'm going to be going Johnny Davis just because of what he's meant okay. for Wisconsin. Okay. Wisconsin a little bit more of a low and slow <laughs> team. And when it comes to other guys as well, it's going to be really interesting to see who winds up emerging. If you're looking at long shots right now, I do think that Jabari Smith over there at Auburn might be worth a little bit of a look as well. We will definitely take a look at that. And we'll definitely be listening to Coast to Coast Hoops. And we always love having you on, Greg. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, Scott. Thank you. There he is. Hoops Peterson, G-Unit. And be sure to listen to Coast to Coast Hoops wherever you get your podcasts from or on vcin.com slash podcast. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead right here on the Sports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on vcin, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Uh, Jabari Smith, who uh, is the Auburn forward that Greg had mentioned, possibly for the Wooden Award. Uh, he is on the top of everybody's mock drafts, along with uh, Pablo Boncaro and, and Chet Holmgren. Uh, he is at plus 2,000 to win the Wooden Award right now. Pablo Boncaro is plus 1,000. But uh, Jabari Smith plus 2,000, kind of interesting. Maybe a little 
parlay action with the Wooden Award and then the NBA MVP. Joel Embiid's still your favorite to win the NBA MVP. Nikola Jokic second, Giannis third, Steph Curry fourth. Curry made a case for himself here on Monday night. He had 21 points in the fourth quarter. He had 40 for the game as the Warriors took care of the Rockets, 122 to 108. It was by far Curry's best scoring game in a while. I mean, probably since, let me look back, uh, the overtime game against the Pacers on the 20th. He had 39 points. He was 12 of 27 from the field. This game, I mean, he was 13 of 23, 56.5% from the field. That's his best shooting performance since he shot 59% when he scored 46 points against Memphis on December 23rd. And before that, he had a 54.5% night when he scored 33 against the Clippers in November. He's uh, yeah. So this was one of his best games of the season. Uh, not the forty. You know, the best game of the season is probably his forty-point performance against the Bulls in November. But Curry was on this mad tear at the beginning of the season, first couple of months, towards the end of the year, and he was the favorite to win the MVP. And then he fell off, and I tried to examine the reasons why he fell off, and to me. It was twofold. It coincided with the return of Clay Thompson, who is obviously going to take some of the scoring away because he takes some of the pressure away, right? So if Clay Thompson's getting his shots, it's less shots for Curry. Now, in this game, uh, he let Curry do his thing. Uh, Clay had 14 points, 6 of 15 shooting, just one of eight from three point rings, though. You know, a couple of those fall. Maybe Curry doesn't get his opportunities. Anyway, Curry was 7 of 14 from three-point range. So you have Klay Thompson returning to action, but also Draymond Green not playing. And to me, it makes sense. Without Draymond and with Clay in the entire month of January, Curry had not really had the high-scoring games. He had the 39-point game on the 20th, but that was really it. A couple of, you know, 19, 18, 13, 18, 19, 12, 14, 9, 22. It's not the Curry <laughs> that was the favorite to win the MVP. This game, though, this was Steph Curry. 40 points, 9 assists, on 7 of uh, 14 from three-point range, uh, the most three-pointers that he has made in a game since the eight that he made against Memphis on December 23rd. So Curry with a good performance. We'll see if that affects his odds. Maybe he moves a little bit, maybe past Giannis, uh, closer to Jokic, but especially with Joel Embiid not playing on Monday. But right now, that's where the odds are for the MVP is Embiid is still the favorite, but this was a as good of a performance from Curry as we've seen 
and maybe this is him starting to heat back up. And if you are a believer in Steph Curry to be the MVP, now might be the time to buy in on him. Because there was a time towards the end of the calendar year where he was the overwhelming favorite. And like I said, he's had this drop-off through the month of January and now finds himself at plus 400. And Joel Embiid, who won on his mad tear in the month of January where he had, you know, the 35 points and 10 boards and almost in all these games, he is now plus 200 as the favorite. But this might be the right time to buy in on Curry at plus 400. Could be interesting. Uh, Scoring leaders right now. In the NBA, uh, Kevin Durant still atop, but you know he's you know not going to be back for a little while. Uh, Joel Embiid second in the NBA in points per game, followed by LeBron, then Giannis, Trey Young, Demar Derozan. Uh, player efficiency rating: Nikola Jokic is number one, and Joel Embiid is number two. So Embiid, you're talking about a guy who's number two, essentially take away Durant, and he's number one in scoring, number one in PER. Um, but Nikola Jokic also lighting up the stat sheet as well. Uh, Jokic is second in rebounds per game. And, you know, he's scoring 26 points per game as well. So, you know, Jokic definitely the, the reason why he is your second favorite to win the MVP right now. Uh, also across the NBA betting boards, you have Evan Mobley as your rookie of the year, but don't look now. Cade Cunningham is climbing. Cade Cunningham is plus 500 to win the award. Mobley minus 300. Uh, sixth man of the year, Tyler Hero. Seems like he's going to run away with this award. He's minus 900. And defensive player of the year. This is the one that we're monitoring because we have the ticket. Jaron Jackson Jr., 65 to 1. And he is now down to 20 to 1. So Draymond Green is the favorite. He's been out for an entire month. And who knows when he's coming back. Rudy Gobert is next at plus 170. Then Giannis at plus 700. Jaron Jackson Jr. at plus 2,000. And I do think that over the course of the next couple of weeks, through the next month or so, we're going to see Jackson's odds drop even further as he continues to shine. And that's going to be a future worth uh, you know bragging about. Uh, Nets are still your favorite to win the NBA title. And... I wouldn't bet it. (laughs) Uh, I know that they will eventually get back Kevin Durant. And so when you combine Durant with having Kyrie Irving on the road, the team getting healthier, sure, I can see it. Not at this number, though. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets right now are the sixth, sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. And if they don't get their act together, they could be playing in the playing tournament. You know, the little playing rounds. So they're not guaranteed anything. Like, it's amazing. I don't think we've ever seen future odds like this before. Where it's all about potential rather than where a team is at right now. Because at 29 and 20... I know that the Eastern Conference is not that top-heavy. Everyone's jumbled in. The Bulls are the number one team in the Eastern Conference right now. They have 31 wins. You have Bulls, 31, Heat, 32, 
Sixers 31, Cavs 31, Bucks 31, Nets 29. And then behind that, Hornets 28, Raptors 25, Celtics 27, Hawks 24, Knicks 24. Everyone's close. It's not like in the West where you have the Suns with 40 wins, Warriors with 38, Grizzlies 35, Jazz with 30, and then you have the 28, 29, 25, 26, 24. East is going to be – the East standings could change dramatically from what we've seen right now. But in terms of the Nets, who right now at 29 and 20 don't look like the the best team in the Eastern Conference, not the best team in the NBA, of course, but yet the potential with Durant coming back, with Kyrie playing in road games, you know, this is just why they are, because when healthy, you predict them to be unstoppable in a seven-game series. That's why they are the favorite to win the NBA title. Warriors are your second favorite. The Suns are your third favorite at plus 550. And I know it's not an attractive number, but at five and a half to one for a team that right now has the best record in the league at 40 and nine, that has won 10 straight games. How are we not betting on the Phoenix Suns? And why should we bet on anybody else than the Phoenix Suns? To me, seems too easy. And Monty Williams will win the coach of the year. Should have won it last year. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network. <laughs> 